Good morning to all of you, and uh, I'd like to invite you to open your Bible to the book of Exodus chapter 5. Exodus chapter 5. And I want to wish you all a wonderful uh, 4th of July and a very safe one. Reminds me of a story of a guy that uh, decided he was going to take up skydiving. And so he's uh, flying out, and they said, okay, we're at the proper elevation. They open the door, and out he goes. And he's falling, falling towards the earth. He pulls the ripcord, nothing happens. He pulls the safety chute, nothing happens. All of a sudden, he sees a puff on the ground. And all of a sudden, he sees something coming closer and closer and closer to him. And he goes, he realizes this man. He's calling out, God, God, save me, save me. And he sees this guy coming closer and closer. And right when he's going past, he goes, do you know anything about parachutes? And the guy goes, do you know anything about Roman candles? (laughs) Malfunctioning fireworks. Okay. What works on the 4th of July when nothing else works? Fireworks. I'm sorry. Okay. I won't do that again. All right. We're going through the book of Exodus, and we're looking at how God used an ordinary guy named Moses to do some extraordinary things. For 40 years, he strouted about the palace, thinking he was a somebody until he saw an Egyptian beating a fellow Hebrew. When he didn't think anybody was looking, he killed him and buried him in the sand. The next day, Moses is out cruising around in his chariot. He tries to break up a fight between two Hebrew children. And one of them says, well, what are you going to do? Kill us like you did the Egyptian yesterday? Moses realized he was found out. In fact, furthermore, those that turned him in to Egypt was the Israelites. And so Moses realized he was found out. Forty years old, he comes back to his room, packs his things, and heads for the backside of the wilderness for 40 years. Forty years, he thought he was a somebody. Forty years, God taught him he was a nobody. And then the next 40 years, God shows Moses what God does with nobodies. And I like that. You might feel like that today. You might feel like you have failed. Well, I got some good news for you. God is the great rebuilder. Let's pray. Lord, as we go to your word today, we ask you that your Holy Spirit would now come, that these words would not be ink on paper, but God, they would come alive by your spirit and you would speak to us through them. And so we ask you now that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes in Jesus name. Amen. Exodus chapter five. Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went and told Pharaoh afterward. Afterward, what? I always like to look and see these words. Now, remember, the original did not have chapter and verses. It was all written. Chapter and verses were put in there so you could find your favorite uh, Bible story and Bible verse and chapter and all. But if you look at the very last verse, it gives you a little bit of insight. So the people believed. And they heard the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked on their affliction and they bowed their heads and worshiped. So they went from worship, Moses leading them. So now Moses and Aaron go to Pharaoh. By the way, I always thought this was interesting. How did Moses know where to go? Well, it's because he was raised in that very palace. 
You see, he was found floating in the river in a little little basket lined with pitch. Pharaoh's daughter saw him. She says, I'm going to take him as my own. Moses knew the ropes. He knew the layout of the land. He knew the layout of the palace. He knew where Pharaoh was. He knew all that stuff. Remember this, when you're a Christian, God uses what you've experienced in your past plus supernatural gifts that he will give you to do his work. I always look at that as really important. Your past is not in vain. You've learned a lot of things through a lot of the scuffed knees and the scabs on your knees. That doesn't mean God will never use them, but what it means is that you can use those experiences to help others not to make the same mistakes that we have made. I really appreciate God and his mercy because God, instead of giving us what we deserve, God's mercy says, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. God's grace is, God says, I'm going to give you far beyond what you deserve, his goodness. Now, they go to Pharaoh. And as they go to Pharaoh, they say, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. Now, it isn't that they were going to completely get out of Egypt. I think this was a rallying point for the people of Israel. God used Moses to go to the most powerful man in the world. Now remember, the Egyptians viewed Pharaoh as descendants of the gods. So how dare Moses go and stand before Pharaoh and say, let my people go? Now, a couple of things here I think is really important. Number one, you and God are a majority in any situation. Never forget that. And whether you're talking to the person next door or you're talking to a president or the king of the world, as it was in this particular case, God will be with you when God has directed you. And so he says, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, let my people go. He is speaking on behalf of God. Do you realize every one of us as a Christian speak on behalf of the Lord every day? Or at least we should. In a world that doesn't know God, you are God's representatives. That's who you are. By the way, the devil will come along and try to make you believe you're anything but that. But God has made you a spokesman. You are his voice. You are his feet. You are his hands. Isn't that good to know? That God didn't recruit people to just sit on a chair, but that he recruited us to be active Pro kingdom of heaven. Then Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I would obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. Now, you're always going to find when God moves, there's going to be opposition. Always remember that. There's no way around it. Because, again, this world has been given over into the hands of the devil. I've shared this before, and it's a little deceiving on your insurance policies. It says, or any other acts of God. Remember, it isn't God doing it. We're in a fallen world. God put us in a good place. We wouldn't live there. God says, don't eat of the tree. I'm going to eat of the tree. So we went and eat of the tree. And rather than obeying God's voice, we obeyed the devil's voice, sold the world into slavery. Now, a couple of things. Because of that, 
This world is under, the Bible says, the sway of the devil. Yeah, that's right. We see people all the time that say, well, how could a God of love allow war? How could a God of love allow famine? I see it all the time. People say this. There's a reason why, friends, farther and beyond that which they are saying. If I can discount God, I can discount the message. What is the message from God? To repent from our ways of serving ourselves that really come to nothing anyway and do what we're supposed to do for God. But they'll say that, and why is that? Because the Bible doesn't say that everything is in God's hands. Indirectly it does, but it does say that the world has been given over into the hands of the devil. That's why you see the problems that you see. And friends, as you know, as a Christian, the way the world is going, you ain't seen nothing yet. You think this world is headed for the age, the dawning of the age of Aquarius? You think it's, it's headed for um, Imagine by John Lennon? I'll tell you something, you start, really start looking at what's going on. You look at just our own debt in the United States, $28.8 trillion as of last week. They said the debt is so great it can never be repaid. What is that going to do to your 401, your retirement, all the other things that we do? It's going to bankrupt it like it's done in every other nation in the world. I remember, I've shared this many times, but if your hope is in this world, you're putting, you have misplaced hope. You're putting your hope in the wrong place. When I was in high school, 1971, that dates me way back when the earth was cooling. I had a pet dinosaur. Anyway, you know, what was it like when the earth was cooling? I don't know. But anyway, way back then, it was eight pesos to the American dollar. In 1993, I believe it was, or 91, it was 3,000 pesos to the American dollar, and it went much higher than that. Imagine somebody putting a peso away a day in 1971 for their retirement, only to have inflation blow it all up. Friends, your hope better be in the Lord. You know, one of the things God has given us, Not only has he given us his promise, his Holy Spirit, but you know what he's given us? A tremendous resource that a lot of us forget? Each other. Hey, I love that. Hey, together we can do things we can never do independently from one another. And so remember, this is one of the reasons why we need to be part of a family. You need to be part of a church. And the reason why is because when you come, you bring something to the party, everyone. And remember, you need what the others are bringing to you. We need that. We need the love from one another. You know, sometimes I just need to be encouraged. Sometimes my heart hangs down and it gets tired and it gets worn out. And somebody will come up and pat me on the back and say, Mike, hey, we're going to go to heaven here. And I go, yeah, that's right. I sometimes forget about that. And all of a sudden I start feeling a lot better about a lot of things. We got to remember that. So when we look at this, Moses comes to Pharaoh with the message, let my people go. Pharaoh responds and says, I don't know the Lord. Have you heard that lately? From maybe people you know, you start sharing God. I don't know any God. I don't know any Lord. 
Do you know I believe that a lot of times God uses us as Christians to set the stage for something much larger than he's going to do. Now, as we look at this, we're going to see this. And so it says, nor will I let Israel go. Verse 3, so they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days journey into the desert, sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence and with the sword. So again, the message didn't change. Now remember, you're going to be rebutted by people of the world, people who don't know God, but your message must never change. What God has spoken in your heart, you must continue on no matter what the opposition of the world is. In other words, when when Pharaoh confronted Moses about letting the people go, Moses didn't change his... his um, Standpoint began to say, you know, well, you know, really, uh, maybe we ought to have a positive self-image course here or something. No, he kept to the main thing. Always remember, keep the main thing, the main thing, and that's Jesus. So he says, then, verse four, the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. He's saying, you're just trying to get them, giving them a three-day holiday. They got to get back to their work. Now, by the way, Pharaoh was a hard man. In fact, the hardness in his heart was not that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. In fact, we're going to get to that when we get up a few more verses. When God hardened Pharaoh's heart, what did he do? He showed him his heart amazing power. And the more power God showed Pharaoh, the harder his heart got. But you got to remember something else here. Pharaoh's heart was already hard as a brick. Look what he says. He said, why do you take the people from their work? And Pharaoh said, look, verse five, the people of the land are many now, and you make them rest from their labor. He was mad about that. He said, there are many now. Remember a few uh, chapters back, he said to put all the the babies in the river to kill them because there was too many of them. Well, that didn't work so well because Pharaoh right here said God continued to bless him in the midst of the crisis that was placed upon them. And so he says, there are many now, and you're trying to get them out of their labor. So the same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers saying, you shall no longer give the people straw to make brick as before. Let them go gather straw for themselves. And you shall lay on them the quotas of bricks which they made before. You shall not diminish it, for they are idle. Therefore cry out, saying, let us go and sacrifice to our God. You see, these people, these Israel people are so lazy. They want to go out in the wilderness. And so evidently they got too much time on their hand. So I'm going to make them work even harder. Wow. Now you got to remember something. Moses who went to Pharaoh, said, let my people go. You know who's going to get blamed for all the extra labor in the Israeli camp now, don't you? Can you see who the bad guy is? It's going to be Moses. 
Because, you know, they were giving us straw. We was making our bricks. We were doing what we were supposed to do. Moses, you came along. You shot your mouth off to Pharaoh. Pharaoh was mad at us. Now we are really in a lot of trouble. Man, I'll tell you something. You're in a no-win war. Have you ever noticed that sometimes in your Christian experience? You're in a no-win war. Well, I believe this is where Moses was at. In fact, when we get down towards the end of this chapter, Moses said what he said to God in the preceding chapter. God, you got the wrong guy. I am not your man. Now, isn't that interesting? How many times have we felt like that? God, you picked the wrong guy. There's a lot of people out there. And you picked the loser, which would be me. Why did you do that? Now remember, God sees you differently than you see yourself. Oh man, I'll tell you, that's hard. You know, the Bible tells us in the New Testament, he sees us seated with him in heavenly places. Man, I'll tell you, when I'm having a bad day, you know, when you're so low, you can scratch a bug's belly. You feel like that? And you feel like crying a lot? Because things are overwhelming and things do get to you and things do get begin to, 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 to chip away at, at, at the joy of your salvation, friends. It's real. Why do you think, again, Paul uh, wrote and, and, and went through the things that he went through and, and that, you know, and, and, and you look at him and you look at David and, and, and the Psalms. Not all the Psalms are written by David, but a lot of them were. And you look and see the, the things that go through people who love God. Why is that? You are in a fallen world. And a fallen world does not, first of all, see you as a Christian for who you are. And their idea is to make you not to see who you are in Christ. Moses had the same issue. He goes up stands before Pharaoh. I can just see in Pharaoh's mind, God sent me here. It's going to go good. And instead, it goes bad. So he says, the taskmasters of the people, verse 10, the officers went out and spoke to the people saying, thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go yourselves, get straw where you can find it. Yet none of your work shall be diminished. And by the way, they say that they have found in archaeological records that they really did have brick quotas for the slaves. So the people were scattered abroad throughout the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters forced them to hurry, saying, Fulfill your work, your daily quota, as when there was straw. And the officers and the children of whom the Pharaoh taskmasters said over them, they were beaten and they were asked, why have you not fulfilled your task in making brick both yesterday, today as before? So they began to beat the children of Israel for their lack of, of high production. Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh, whoa, stop, hold it. Do you see something weird here? They came to Pharaoh. Notice it does not say, and they went to the Lord. Notice it does not say they went to Moses. 
They went to Pharaoh. Remember, the devil for a while will be a nice taskmaster. But in the end, he will always be cruel, demanding more from you than you can produce. That's the way the devil works. The devil is a type of Pharaoh, if you will. Egypt is a type of the old lifestyle. And the children of Israel labored hard in that. And remember, this is something that amazingly to me, as the children of Israel were on their way to the promised land, they would oftentimes go to Moses and say, Moses, oh, that we would have stayed in Egypt. The leeks and the garlics, the neon lights and the disco. No, I'm saying they had all that stuff in Egypt. And you brought us out here in the wilderness to die. You see what tells me? They forgot that they were slaves. Friends, do you know the devil will work overtime to to try to cause you to forget that you were a slave to a very hard taskmaster in the world? Remember, again, before you come to Christ, we all need identity. We go everywhere for it. We look and see what everybody else is doing, and then that's what I want to do. Hard taskmaster. When you come to Christ, God settles you. You are who you are in him. Yay. I like that. I don't have to prove anything to anyone. I am who I am in Jesus. That's where you want to stay. That's the heart of God in you. That's who God makes you. I don't have to serve a world to go out and buy the latest whatchamacallit to make me something. I am something today. Remember that, moms and dads. Tell your kids, you are what you are in Jesus. Never say, oh, if you do what everybody likes, they'll like you. Because friends, if they do, they won't like you for very long, do they? That's just the way it works. Well, here you find that Instead of going to God, instead of going to Moses, they go to Pharaoh, saying, why are you dealing thus with your servants? There's no straw given to your servants that they may say to us, make brick. And indeed, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. But he said, you are idle. You're lazy. You are lazy. Therefore, you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Therefore, go now and work. For no straw will be given to you, yet you shall deliver the same quota of bricks. And the officers of the children of Israel saw that they were in trouble. After it was said, you shall not diminish any bricks from your daily quota. Then they came out from Pharaoh, and they met Moses and Aaron, who stood there to meet them. And they said to, and they said to them, let the Lord look upon you and judge, because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants to put a sword to their hand to kill us. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought this trouble on this people? Why is it that you have sent me? Ah, does anybody relate with this? Have you ever felt that God just picked the wrong guy? You tried to do good, 
and it comes out a mess? <laughs> Moses, enter here. You see, God's got a plan. You see, God was demonstrating not only to the children of Israel, but to Pharaoh and all of Pharaoh's servants, the nature, the true nature of their idea of what a God is, Pharaoh, hard taskmaster. God oftentimes will use us as Christians to establish the judgment that he's going to judge the world by. This is hard for a lot of people to get, but this is one of the things I found in God's word. Why, God, did you allow this to happen to me? God says, so down the road I can judge him for it. You see, you become the standard in which God will judge the world because the word of God is in you. Does that make sense? Do you understand what I'm saying? That God will use you to create an issue that he will judge them for because, in other words, they could go through life thinking they're, they're okay. Pharaoh was doing good. I'm God. I'm, I'm doing good. Moses comes along and says, you're not God. <laughs> we got a problem here, don't we? I don't know any Lord of the Hebrews, Pharaoh said. Well, really? Well, what, is he, what has he got to say here? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, neither have you delivered your people at all. Wow. Now he's faulting God. <laughs> hey, listen, all the problems here, hey, God, it's your fault. Have you ever blamed God for things as a Christian? I think we all have. You know, God, if you're God, why am I in this mess I'm in? Like God did it. Well, God, you allowed it, okay? God says, I ain't done yet. Let's go to chapter 6. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. Oh, oh, oh. here it is, everyone. Now you're going to see what I'm going to do to Pharaoh. He showed his colors... Now I'm going to deal with him. Do you realize that God uses you and me sometimes to show people their real colors? What they're really made of? And then God will deal with them? I remember one time there was a guy named Red in California. My parents knew him. And I remember that he was very agnostic. Very, very... He wasn't just ignorant. The word agnostic means ignorant. When, when, I, I always think it's funny, you'll talk to somebody about the Lord, and they go, well, I'm agnostic. <laughs> Do you know what the word agnostic means? Ignoramus. I'm an ignoramus. <laughs> what it means, I'm completely ignorant concerning the things of God. And they say that I'm agnostic like it's some kind of a higher echelon of intelligence. I'm an ignoramus. Really? Being ignorant of who God is doesn't remove who God is. And understanding this sometimes. And I remember this guy named Red, my mom and dad, because he was so nasty. You know what they said? I, I thought my mom, my mom was raised in the military. People say, your mom wears GI boots. Mine did. And she'd put them in your mouth if you'd sassed her. <laughs> Ask me how I know. 
But I thought she, she, they're, they're going to come off with some really harsh remarks to, to Red. And you know what they said? They said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to pray for you every day. Now, let me tell you something, what happened to Red. It was about a month and a half later, Red called up my parents on the phone and said these exact words. Stop praying for me. You see, God was dealing with him. God deals with people through you, your request. That's why the Bible says the fervent prayer of a righteous man in the book of James availeth much. And they began to pray for this guy. And God began to continually confront him with who he was. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. It ain't over yet, friends. I'll show you what I'm going to do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand, he will let them go. And with a strong hand, he will drive them out of his land. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I see, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob as God Almighty. But my name, Lord, has not been known to them, or Yahweh has not been known to them. I have established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, which the land, which the land of their pilgrimage, which they were strangers. And I have also heard the groanings of my children of Israel, whom the Egyptians are are keeping in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore... Say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and great judgments. And I will take you as my people and I will be your God. And then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you up out of the land under the burdens of the Egyptians." And I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they will give it to them as a heritage. I am the Lord. And so Moses spoke to the children of Israel. Here it is. But they would not listen to Moses because of the anguish of the spirit and the cruel bondage. They couldn't believe what God said he would do. Now, friends, I understand that. Maybe you're going through that. Maybe you backslided on the Lord a long time ago because you asked God to do something and he didn't do it the way you thought he was going to do it. And you got mad at him. You know, I talked to a lot of people like that. They go, yeah, I used to walk with the Lord and I really needed God to do something for me and he didn't do it for me. And so I picked up my marbles and I went home. Well, that isn't the way God works. You see, God's got a bigger plan than just what I see. And I have to realize you all of us as Christians, the things that happen to us are not by accidents. You know, in the Hebrew uh, understanding of life, there are no coincidences. It's all divinely appointed by God. And you say, well, if there's a God, how could he allow this to happen to me? Because God is bigger than the circumstance. God is bigger than your understanding of the circumstance, and he's endeavoring to reach out and save the reds of this world. You see, this is a bigger thing than just what I see. It's God's big plan. And as we look at this here today, God is saying, look, 
I'm going to bring you out of the land of Egypt. They go, well, we don't really believe you, Moses. That doesn't mean it's not true. God's not done with them yet. And the Lord spoke to Moses, verse 10, saying, go in, speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, that he must let the children of Israel go out of the land. And Moses spoke before the Lord, saying, the children of Israel have not heeded me, How then shall Pharaoh heed me, for I am of uncircumcised lips? He always goes back to, I am not worthy. Do you notice that? I'm a man of unclean lips. You picked the wrong person. You ever feel like that? No, God knows who he picks. He sees you differently than you see yourself. And Moses keeps saying, "I I am not worthy enough to do this. Okay. Let's get something straight, everyone. I'm not worthy. I remember a girl one time, she was praying. She said, Lord, I'm not worthy, but I don't care. That's true. We're not worthy, but God's worthy. And God makes you worthy. We never, all of us, never approach God in our goodness. Look how good I am. Look what I did. I'm kept in shiny buttons. I don't approach God that way. I approach God because he loves me and we are his children. Oh, friends, again, I've shared this many times. This is what the cults never can communicate to their people. Oh, they'll use the name Father. They'll use these names, but they don't, they don't believe it because they got everybody out trying to earn their childhood with a relationship with God. The Bible says you are his kids. That's why God wants you to pray when you pray. Daddy, help. You know, I've many years, you know, you, you get good. The longer you've been a Christian sometime, you've got to watch out for verbalized religious garbage. Oh God, thou art above all gods. I thank thee. Always, always use 16th century King James English. That impresses God. Oh Goddess, thou art above all Goddess. And I thanketh thee. When inside you're going, amen, God, I'm hurting. You can be real with God. You can be real with daddy. You can say, daddy, my heart's breaking. I'm sorry, I'm hurt. And God goes, I know. Come sit in my lap. And that, friends, is what we need. That melts away all the junk and the tears and the heartache and the shortcomings that we've all experienced in this life. Here's Moses, who God is using to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. One of the most, one of the most steadfast patriarchs in the Old Testament. Insomuch when Jesus was transfigured before uh, Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration, Moses was there. And yet we see that Moses was just like us. Just like us. He recognized he was nothing. He goes, I'm a man of unclean lips. God, what do I got to say to these people? Pharaoh's not going to believe me. Your own people don't believe me. And so he says, go speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Isn't it weird that the command still stays the same? Go back, speak to him. I'm a man of unclean lips. Verse 13, And the Lord spoke to Moses, 
and Aaron and gave them a command for the children of Israel and for Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Now, verses 14 through 25 are the children of Israel and their, their, their family heads. I won't read that. I'll let you do that. But he says in verse 26, These are the same Aaron and Moses, to whom the Lord said, Bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt according to their armies. These are the ones who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring out the children of Israel from Egypt. These are the same Moses and Aaron. I think it's in there for a reason. Because we see Moses breaking down, saying, God, you got the wrong guy. You don't have me. I'm a man of unclean lips. And the Bible says, nope, this is the same Moses that I started with, the same Moses I'm working with now. The same person that God started with with you when you accepted Christ is the same person you are now. You just need to realize who you are in Jesus. So he says, came to pass on that day, verse 28, the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, that the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I am the Lord. Speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said before the Lord, behold, I am uncircumcised lips. How shall I have Pharaoh listen to me or heed me? See, Moses still did not see himself the way God did. Friends, this is great hope for me. When I can see Sometimes my failures and say, God, I, I, I don't see how you could use me or us or any of us. I fail to see God. The God in you, the God in me, God, what he's done because I've invited him to be there. That's what makes the difference. I just want to encourage all of you today. The work that God has begun in you through Jesus Christ, he will accomplish. He ain't done with you yet. You say, but Mike, I I feel like my arms are broken. Yeah, we all do sometimes. Moses did. And you know what I think is really amazing here? That the Bible doesn't read like this in chapter 7. So the Lord said to Moses, Okay, you're a loser. See ya. He didn't say that. He continued to work with him. God will continue to work with you. The work that he's begun in you, he will fulfill it. Oh, friends, that's great news. I give up on things. You ever had a hobby? Some of you have them in your garage. And that woman, man, this is really cool. I'm going to do this. And then you lose interest. I, I talked to a dear friend this week. And he said, you know, Mike, there's a lot of things I like to do, but I I find that I lose interest in the project before it's finished and I never get it done. I know. I think we're all kind of like that a little bit. The Bible says God, who's begun a good work in you, will fulfill it. I just want to encourage you, God's not given up on you. You are his interest. You are his greatest child and hobby to see us do well this morning we have communion and you know one of the interesting things about communion is that Jesus is in the upper room and he, and he, and he 
breaks the bread and he says, this is my body which is broken for you. Peter says in the book of Peter, quoting from the Old Testament, by his stripes were healed, by his broken body were healed. We need to be healed, friends. We just do. I need to be healed of the way I look at God. I need to be healed of the way I look at one another. I need to be healed of, of my feelings. You know, a, a lot of us, we're really hurt. You know, it's really funny. We come to church on Sunday morning and we all, we all know each other because we're here and everything. But you know, when I begin to really, uh, the brother I was talking to this past week and um, he's talking about his hobbies. He just began to share with me his childhood. Raised in orphanages. I had no idea. He said, you know, Mike, one of the greatest things was that it just so happened that the, the, the orphanages that I was raised in, the, the, the homes that I was raised in, happened to be Christian homes that made that impact in my life that I didn't have for my natural family. And I go, man, that is incredible. Because I would, looking at him, I would have never known that. And all of us in this room, different heart, different broken hearts, being burned by lovers, being burned by your friends, being burned by your family, leaves a mark. We need to be healed. That bread that was broken for you, by his stripes, we're healed. It isn't just the spiritual healing. We need to be emotionally healed. We need to be mentally healed. We need to be all those things because we're a composite being. God knows how complicated we really are. No one has ever had all the experiences in life that you have had. Oh, you might relate with somebody that had something similar happen, but I'll tell you something. Only you are you. And God loves you so much. He goes, I want to heal you. I want to restore you. I want to rebuild you. That's what God does. This morning, if you're not a Christian, You need to get right with God. You have no one restoring you. You need to be rebuilt. Moses was rebuilt by God when Moses said, I can't talk. You got the wrong guy. They don't, Pharaoh, the people of Israel don't listen to me. How is Pharaoh going to listen to me? And God says, go tell Pharaoh. You see, God rebuilds. You need to be rebuilt this morning. You need to be healed. And that's one of the wonderful things about a loving father is he wants to heal us. This morning, if you're not a Christian, you can pray and ask God to forgive you of your life. The way you lived it. And then, from this day on, I want to live for you, God. I want my life to mean something in eternity. And let God do that. We're going to pray. And then after we pray, you're invited to have communion. And then say, Lord, this bread I hold in my hand, heal me. This cup, remind me of who I am in you every day. If I forget who I am in Christ, I am complete. I'm complete prey for the devil. You see, if the devil can make you forget who you are in Jesus, he has one. That's why it's so important. You cannot forget. That's why we come together on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night. 
That's why when we read our Bibles at home or listen to Christian radio or Christian music, these things all remind us of who we are in Him. We're more than conquerors, Paul says, through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you need to get right with God, let's pray right now. Those listening by radio and the internet, you pray as well. And let God do what he wants to do in your life. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I repent of the foolish way that I have lived my life. I ask you to come into my life today. From this day forward, I want to serve you. My life to mean something in eternity. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. And his blood covered my sins. All the things I've done wrong. And rose from the dead to give me life each and every day. And so now fill me with your Holy Spirit. That I will see myself the way you see me. And help me every day to be about your business. And thank you for eternal life with you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that, welcome to God's family. If you don't have a Bible, I'll give you one. I got a couple of books, a couple of DVDs I'd like to just give you that will encourage you. Great for showing when you tell your friends, hey, I accept the Lord. What does that mean? Here, watch this. It's good. Now, communion. You see, if if, if you have communion and you're not a, a believer, you're just wasting your time. But once you're a believer, now this simple thing is so medicinal for what you need. I need my heart healed. You know, it's funny, as I get older, I realize how much I need it healed every day. And this morning, you can have your heart healed. As you hold that bread in your hand, as you look at it, realizing that God made a way for you. You know, Jesus said, this is my blood which is shed for you. You're a somebody, never forget that. Because the world try to convince you you're not. Remember, you and God is a majority in any situation. Moses goes to Pharaoh. You know, I, I, I can just see Moses walking in there where Pharaoh's at. Looking around, maybe looking at the big throne he was sitting on, going, you know, maybe the devil was talking to him and saying, you know, You could have been on that throne all along. He was in line for the throne as well, being Pharaoh's daughter. Son. Walking in there, looking at everything, 40 years before realizing I was here. And I can just see him looking around going, wow. And then telling Pharaoh, hey. And I don't know, I think they probably knew who Moses was. God isn't done with your enemies yet. God's heart is that they would repent. But if they don't, there's an eternal judgment. May the Lord just use all of us to reach out to people while we can. Father, as we pass out these elements today, as we hold them in our hand, 
We need to be healed. We need your touch. We just ask you, God, that your Holy Spirit would just touch each person in this room today and bring about your healing, your remembrance of who you are in us. And so, Lord, this morning, bless every person here. In Jesus' name, amen.